BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now, the list of things that you can buy at the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com. Things to wear like Chicago Reader hats, t-shirts, bandanas, and face masks. Things for your daily life like the Chicago Reader camping mug, Chicago Reader tote bags, and a Chicago Reader reporter's notebook. Things for you to read like our Reader recipes, the Chicago Reader 420 Companion, our Chicago Reader Best of book series from journalists Maya Dukmasaba, Mike Sula, Ben Jarofsky, and Lior Galil, the Chicago Reader coloring book, and the Chicago Reader stay home puzzle. Find the Chicago Reader store at chicagoreader.com and show your support for the nation's first free weekly news newspaper since 1971. Bonus time on the Ben Jarofsky show as I speak. It is, what is today? Friday, July 9th. Uh, the headline in the New York Times says it all. A battle between a great city and a great lake. Dan Egan's article in the New York Times is the talk of the town in Chicago and by coincidence, and this is sheer coincidence, folks, if I ever plan anything in my life, that would be the first time. By sheer coincidence, I have a great environmentalist with me on the show. Just by, we were, it was just, I did not plan this, people. Sometimes luck happens to the unlucky few. Anyway, without further ado, I'll ask my distinguished guest, this great environmentalist, to introduce himself. Distinguished guest, introduce yourself. Distinguished guest number one here, and uh, he's dinging himself into uh, the program. <laughs> you don't have a dinger there? You got to have a dinger, man. I've even got another one. There we go. We got. Uh, please don't get into my personal life. Sorry. <laughs> I got a million of them, Hi, Mike folks. Novak. <laughs> yeah, I know you know. It just keeps going. You're as funny as uh, Wally Phillips. All right, there we go. Right I, first of all, he didn't introduce himself. Oh, he pushed the dinger. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, young man. Introduce yourself. <laughs> all right. All right. Uh, welcome folks. This is Mike Novak from the Mike Novak show with Peggy Malecki. And, uh, those of you who listen to Ben Jarofsky can, uh, now snooze a little bit while I talk <laughs> environmental matters. No. <laughs> uh, and, and, and I, uh, my show is on, uh, I have my own show just like Ben Jarofsky, except mine's with uh, video now, now with video. Um, and uh, you can watch me stream live on Sunday morning, central time. Uh, we're advising people to go to my website, MikeNovak.net, and that's N-O-W-A-K.net, but also, uh, YouTube, go to YouTube and, um, subscribe to the program and uh, click the little bell and, and get updates on when we stream live. So uh, we do that once a week for a couple of hours. We talk environment, we talk local food, we talk gardening, we talk, uh, climate change. We talk sustainability. We feature one of the best meteorologists in the city, Rick DeMaio. Um, and, uh, he's been with me, gosh, for now for 13 years. Um, uh, 
just a, and I, uh, he, he doesn't back away from the environmental challenge of, of discussing weather and, and how it relates to the environment. It's one of the reasons I love having him on the show. Yeah, so, no, we, there you go. Is that a good, is, uh, oh, was excellent, like man. I said, go well, uh, Mike, it didn't Mike go far Nova, enough. Net. He's also, he's oh. a great gardener. Uh, he's a legendary softball player, uh, perhaps the greatest <laughs> softball player ever to come out of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, and he has the long hair of a rock star these days. Uh, yep. <laughs> uh, I feel like I'm uh, interviewing Robert Plant, but, uh, anyway, that's, uh, but, but, you know, I am actually a marginal softball player, but my, uh, golf game is getting better. So, oh, uh, that's, that's good, good to know, hear. I think. All right. So anyway, when I, uh, when I decided that Mike would be a good guest to have on uh, also one last thing. The reference to Wally Phillips is because he used to work for Wally Phillips, and there's an obligatory reference to Wally Phillips that must be made in every uh, Ben Jarofsky, Mike Novak conversation because I'm really impressed that he worked for Wally Phillips, and nobody else be, besides me and Mike even remembers Wally Phillips, who is absolutely the king of AM radio for years, uh, WGN, I think he was the number one rated show forever. And, and that little bell. Oh my God. He, you know, he, he, he had, Oh, I, I don't think he did a bell, but, um, a lot of radio people have done bells, but, um, uh, Wally was for decades, several decades, number one in Chicago, and he would have a 20 share. Nowadays, if you get like in seven or a six, you're, you're, you're doing great. He did, he had numbers that will never be repeated, uh, in the city of Chicago or elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so that's a little bit about Mike Novak. All right. So when I, Oh, and Mike I, and, 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 but what we did, what we didn't tell folks is that I was his engineer, uh, and, um, I pushed the buttons and made the funny voices pop out. And that's, that was his shtick. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and people often wondered <laughs> where the funny voices came from. They came from the engineers. Yeah. No, back and in the was, back room. <laughs> well, that's what was I, funny I, about was you pushing that little bell. Like we were like one minute into the show and you click the bell. I'm like, Oh my God, he's channeling his inner Wally Phillips engineering days. <laughs> Anyway, all right, let's get down. Okay, to- <laughs> all right. <laughs> I'm sorry. By the way, folks, I was not a fan. I, I got to say this. I don't want to pretend like I was a fan of Wally Phillips. I was not. I, I Even though I liked the, like the sound bits that uh, Mike did, I was not a huge fan. He was a little too conservative for me. Uh, all right, let's get down to business. Um, when I booked Mike, I was really eager to talk about what's the, the climate change and the impact it's having on weather uh, in, uh, the Northwest where it's so freaking hot, uh, un- yeah. just unbelievably hot in the Northwest corner of the country. So wa- the Washington, Oregon and the California just read a story today about drought conditions in California. Uh, and, and I'll then you and I read that same story in the, yeah. And then, yeah. And then yesterday, uh, Probably, Danny Egan's yeah. article in the New York times came out and just everybody's been texting me about, have you seen this? And I, t- of course, immediately sent it to Mike. I was like the fifth guy that had sent it to him. Uh, it, it's just a powerful <laughs> piece. I urge everyone, if you can get a, get a copy, just check it out. Uh, a battle between a great city and a great lake by Dan Egan. He lays things out. Um, Chicago is facing a, a serious con- situation let's just put it like that regarding its lake uh and the fluctuations and the amount of water in the lake and how high it is and the impact it's having mm-hmm. on on buildings that are right on the lakefront in chicago and 
Mike, why don't you just uh, take us through this? Uh, this is, uh, I know you're very familiar with the subject. You've had uh, Dan Egan on your show, uh, and you're going to bring him back on your show. But uh, yeah. So why don't you just give us the uh, the basics of what's going on with our Lake Michigan and the um, he climate uh, wrote he, he he wrote a book um, when he was on our show. It was back in 2017. I went, oh my goodness, that's four years ago. Uh, he wrote a book called The Death and Life of the Great Lakes. A uh, wonderful book about what ha- what uh, the Great Lakes consist of and, and what we've done to them over the years in, in the matter of allowing invasive species to come in. I mean, just stuff you'd never think about. It's when they had uh, the various canals that we used because we had to get boats around Niagara Falls that's great, except that then we brought in a whole bunch of inspa- invasive species into the Great Lakes, and he, and, he, and he talked about that, and a lot of other things. It's a wonderful book. So this article comes out, and as you said, suddenly I have ha- half a dozen people sending me copies of it, um, and it, it, it's really resonating with the people of the Chicago area because I think for the very first time he lays out so clearly what the issue is here in Chicago with, uh, and, and people don't look at us and say, well, uh, it's, it's a bad place to live because of climate change. A lot of folks say, no, Chicago will be one of the good places to live, but not necessarily. So climate change affects people in different ways. And he outlines how in the Midwest, and we've known this for years, you talked about the drought in the West, which is, um, it's stunning and scary right now is all I can say about that. Um, and in the Midwest, however, the change is going to be unpredictable weather like uh, rainstorms, um, perhaps tornadoes, as we saw a tornado skipping through the suburbs just a couple of weeks ago. We talked about that on my show. I mean, I had a, an arborist on who was showing photos, dozens of photos of trees just uh, devastated. And, uh, with the rainstorms comes the high water levels and what Dan Egan does so well in this article is give us the background for why that's a problem here in Chicago. And the issue is basically the city's built on a swamp. That's what we have. And we're at grade, we're at lake level there, which means that you can't, you can't drain the water that comes in. Uh, the wonderful, you read the story. There's that wonderful part where they're uh, controlling the locks uh, from the Chicago river, which as you know, we re-engineered a hundred years ago, more than a hundred years to flow out from Lake Michigan. <laughs> and we send, so we can send our sewage to St. Louis. And um, uh, I know you're shaking your head, <laughs> Ben, but that's, that's basically what we did. Yes, uh, no. because if it went into the lake, w- w- Chicago wouldn't have been livable. We couldn't drink the water. Uh, so we re-engineered by dropping the level of the Chicago river to 25 feet in the, and the channel that goes out, um, to, um, the, uh, Illinois river and, and Displains river actually, and then places South. Um, and the problem is that if it fills up, where do we put that water? So what Dan did is he just laid it out in such a simple way, really good writing. Uh, you, you must recognize that as a writer yourself. It was when you get it right and you just tell the story 
uh, and do it as well as he does, it, it changes people's lives. And I'm, I'm not surprised that people are responding to this article. So what he's saying is a lot of Chicago was built on stilts. You know, I, the, the, the uh, analogy in my head was what just happened in Florida uh, with the collapsing condo. Well, is that going to happen in Chicago too? Now, again, uh, Lake Michigan is not salt water, so there's not as much damage, but there's still lots of damage caused by high lake levels. Uh, and again, this year, the lake has actually gone down. So that's good because he talks, he writes about last year and the battles we had with the rainstorms and, and a record rain we had in May. And um, that story of the guys opening the gates to Lake Michigan every few minutes to let the water out, and then they would need to let the water rise and then let it out again. And we're not talking about your bathroom and pulling a plug in. A, we're talking about Lake Michigan and the Chicago River and these gates where they let this water out. It's you got to read this story. If you haven't, uh, get a copy. It's called The Climate Crisis Haunts Chicago's Future, A Battle Between a Great City and a Great Lake. Um, and it's everywhere right now, and people are talking about it. All right, Mike. Now, so one of the things uh, that the article talks about, as you're right, is the, the history of Chicago. Uh, and in retrospect, it's just, it's so classic Chicago, if I could just say this for a moment. <laughs> the audacity of the people, uh, it's just, it must be a Chicago type that existed even before the city existed, because I recognize that type even with people today. They feel they could do absolutely anything without consequence, if it's going to benefit them at the moment. That's so Chicago. And um, <laughs> and so in this case, yeah, oh, we have a problem with the uh, our sewage flowing into Lake Michigan. We'll reverse the flow of the Chicago River, which I'm sure they had the best and the brightest minds figuring that thing out. So we dump all our crap, literally, into St. Louis. Who cares about St. Louis, by the way? <laughs> Who cares about everything between Chicago and St. It doesn't matter. We have our city. It's so Chicago. You know what I mean? Um, and, yeah. just, and so now here we are uh, all these years later. And we, we're, everybody in Chicago is so proud of Chicago, that Chicago way and uh, – you know, uh, make no small plans and this and that. And our whole freaking city is built on a swamp. It could fall into the lake. And, and you know, I just, uh, yeah, it is. It's, it's just, and, and, and we're in danger now be, because of changing climate. And when we get those rainstorms, there's no place to put the water, which is why they built deep tunnel, which as you know, empties into my basement. <laughs> um, and <laughs> that's the plan. That's here's what I, we do. I, I, well, we take the sewage to St. Louis <laughs> and then the other part of the sewage, we take to Mike Novak's basement. <laughs> Go ahead, Mike. Uh, well, two, two weeks, two weeks ago, two weeks ago, uh, we had two inches of rain, um, and uh, it was on a Sunday, and that was the uh, the tornado storm that came through. I got two inches of rain in my backyard, and my basement flooded. And I had just had it rotted out to the street uh, at the end of last year, basically. And I thought, well, that's that's not good. Okay, so I get the guy to come out. the The rain happens on Sunday. We we didn't even discover it till twenty four hours later because neither of us went into the basement. And then Kathleen goes down there and she says, 
I hate to tell you this, but uh, there's water in our basement. Uh, so, so on Tuesday, the, I get the rotting guy to come out. He rides it out to the street, drains it. And I'm like, okay, great, good. Saturday, we get four and a half inches of rain in my backyard and it backs up again. Okay. Twice in one week. And that is not because it, you know, it was rotted. So that pipe was clean. What it was, was the city pipes were overwhelmed by the amount of rain we had on that Saturday. There's nothing you could do. You should have seen Belmont Avenue. It was, it was underwater. There were places like that. All, and I, we were in that, that line that got about four inches of rain that was sort of cut through the city from southwest to northeast. Um, and it just shows that at a certain point, our, we're incapable of handling that. Deep Tunnel can't handle it. The reservoirs can't handle it. They were all full, and it's starting to back up into the city. And that's what Dan Egan is writing about. If we continue to have these events, we're in a world of hurt. Yeah. Well, uh, let's uh, zero in on one of the specific points that he, he, he made. Uh, part of the story talks about the impact on um, apartments or condos that are built right on the lake yeah. and i'm sure they were promoted as such uh lakefront setting you, you have your own private beach uh and he interviews uh, people on the south side of chicago and uh, there's great footage of the waves. yeah of that's lake one Michigan. of the best parts they have video they have video on there that is so stunning to to look at and you know what uh this is from 2020 and they he refers to 1987 i remember 1987 i was visiting a friend on the lakefront and the late the waves were pounding right against the walls of of the building uh so this happens from time to time here in chicago yeah, no i actually we're, we're, this is how old i am i wrote a column about it for the reader the 1987 lake, and I remember interviewing a couple scientists from Loyola, and they were saying, we're going to face a crisis, uh, we're in trouble, you know, and uh, of course nobody did anything about it. Uh, uh, but yeah, 87 is such a resounding. Well, ex except that, except for decades, uh, the city has been trying to get the, the, the lakeshore shored up. Um, and, uh, you know, had been trying to get, uh, you know, I, I interviewed Suzanne Malik McKenna recently, uh, on my show, who was the, uh, the commissioner, the final commissioner of the late great Chicago department of the environment. Um, and she said that had been an ongoing battle and she said it, she's happy to see that a lot of it has happened. But as you know, from last year, uh, it, it the power of the water can take out any, uh, any uh, structures that that you put there if you leave it long enough uh, so, listen, um, i remember that fight i've been around this town so long mike i've heard about all these fights <laughs> but the revetment fight it, it was mayor daly uh was they were going to protect the lakefront from erosion by replacing mm -hmm. the rocks that were along the lake i don't know if you remember you were following this at all and if everything, yeah. uh, the north side of Chicago to the loop and then going south has has the new lakefront, uh, it, it's just like a wall, if you will. And then there's ledges you could sit and look at it. And um, until they got to Promontory Point at in Hyde Park at 55th Street and the residents of mm -hmm. Hyde Park revolted 
and they said we do not don't do not replace our rocks our beloved limestone rocks that have done a good job of protecting our lakefront and look beautiful and uh daly had to back off and you know daly was not one to back off he was and he gave a speech i'm not making he gave this speech on the north side and he said i don't care if promontory point falls into the lake you know, uh, I quit on they, those Hyde Parkers, blah, blah, and Promontory Point is still there, Mike. Okay, with the limestone rocks, it's still. In fact, I think yep. they went to a wedding there. Um, so this fight's been going on. All right, but what I was, <laughs> what 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 I was going to talk about was the concern that we might have. What you alluded to in Miami, where uh, in Surfside, the building just collapsed. And they're still trying to find out exactly yeah. why the building, the condo collapsed, burying people who, who had been that sleeping. Will, in that, that conversation will be going on for a long, long time. And, and right away, some people said, could it be uh, related to climate change? And yeah, I think we all, look, it pr- probably has more to do with construction and materials and not fixing things. Uh, but does climate change play a role in there? You bet it does. It's it's part of that equation. It's not probably not the single answer to this uh, because the world is much more complicated than that. But at some point, there's going to be a little finger of uh, climate change involved in what happened to that building. Uh, yeah, and uh, so on the south side of Chicago, uh, on the buildings that are right on the lake, uh, they're, they're, in the article he interviews a woman who's very concerned about the erosion, the potential effects. Uh, and so do you think, are you worried about this? I mean, we've built on all along the lakefront, along the total lake, going from Rogers Park all the way to South Shore. Uh, do you, do you have concerns about this, Mike? Yeah. I, you don't find me living there. Um, it's, uh, you know, building along the lake is, uh, one of, uh, the things that I, I, most resent about, um, developers, um, in that, um, we, uh, we had this plan to, to keep the lake open as much as possible. And it, we have chipped away at that over the decades. Um, and the, in some ways it's a payback nature's payback for that. Um, and, um, according to that story, uh, the lake levels could rise even more than they did last year. If you, you know, they were looking at history and how far back and it, the, the lake levels historically, uh, may have been much higher. And if that happens, those buildings are goners. Um, uh, they will be uninhabitable. Uh, so nature has a way of evening the score, uh, uh, when all is said and done. And, uh, and it's, you know, and again, nothing may happen for, decades i mean we've got this uh the uh the lake level has gone down this year um could it go back up it might but we're in the middle of a a a drought here in the midwest and even the rains we had in the past couple of weeks didn't really get us out of that if you look at the drought maps uh especially uh, wisconsin and northern illinois we're, we're we're still suffering from that minnesota continues to be in drought so uh, especially uh, in the uh, the watershed for the Great Lakes, um, this uh, rain we had, yeah, it it contributes a little bit. Well, what if we go right back into that drought? 
and it continued to sink because, and that's the thing that Dan talks about in the article too. If the lake gets too low, we have problems. Um, so well, let's get uh, into that. Chicago. Uh, <clears throat> let's get into that because, uh, he talks about the, the, the catastrophic, uh, impact of, uh, rising water level in the lake and, uh, in terms of, uh, erosion and, a potential disaster with some of these buildings. What's the impact uh, when the lake level goes down, and why does how how is that possible that climate change can both cause the lake level to go up uh, and the lake level to fall? Well, because the lakes are not connected to uh, the oceans. Uh, a lot of people think, uh, I guess, that if the ocean is going to go up, and as he notes, the the um, uh, they only go one way at that's up right now. The oceans are slowly, slowly, inexorably rising at this point as, as we warm the planet. Uh, but because they're not connected and my meteorologist, Rick DeMaio points this out too, because they're not that connected to what's going on in the oceans. The levels can fluctuate drastically. Um, so it's going to create, uh, issues with, the uh well you don't you don't want for one thing you don't want the the lake to get uh lower than the chicago river um because then gravity is going to take over <laughs> and we know what's going to happen there um and you know and, and and other uh uh docks that are high and dry and no way for people to get to their boats, which is, you know, a recreational problem, but it also is a shipping problem. I mean, there, it can create massive uh, economic headaches to have the, the lakes too low. Um, and as Dan points out in the article, um, the lake has managed to um, uh, even be pretty much even keel uh, over the uh, the decades that we've been here in the in the couple of centuries that we've been here. We don't know what it's capable of in terms of highs and lows. So that's that's part of the warning of, of his article. Um, by the way, f- fill in the blank for some of the slower uh, uh, listeners like myself. Uh, if the lake gets lower than the Chicago River, what happens? Well, I would assume, again, I'm not a, a, a water engineer, but you open those gates and then the water from the Chicago River flows into Lake Michigan. All right. And, uh, we've engineered it. So it goes the other way. Oh, so we don't really want that. (laughs) Except St. Louis will be going. Yes. (laughs) Just that's the part I like. That's so Chicago. I don't, I know. But just like, it's bad. We know that like just dumping our sewage into this river is bad, but as long as we're just channeling it to St. Louis, what do we care? What a city. What a, what a mentality, yeah. what a human race. It, it. All right. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, uh, to, to be, to be oh, here uh, goes. fair. Here to be fair it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody likes well, St. Louis anyway. No, no, no. It's not about St. Louis. It's just about Americans in general. I mean, we, we, we damn the Colorado river and now it's a trickle when it goes, uh, uh, you know, to, to its mouth. And, uh, and we, we, uh, we killed off all of the passenger pigeons just because we wanted feathers for our hats and, uh, and easy food and extirpated an entire, uh, species of billions of birds within about 60 years. Basically, we almost took out the Buffalo. I mean, when we decided we're going to do something as a species, um, we're relentless 
And, you know, whether it's reversing the Chicago River and building on a swamp or, or uh, uh, get up, extirpating all the prairie in our, our country. Where's the prairie? You know, there's, there's almost nothing left of that. <laughs> yeah, so right. we, we're a pretty, we're a pretty destructive species. We really yes, are. We are. So maybe it's greater than Chicago. All right, Chicago, I'm always making fun of you. Um, all right. Uh, I'm going to channel my inner Donald Trump for a moment. Uh, there's a portion of every person that, uh, can relate to Donald Trump on one level or another. Uh, by the way, just total irony. One of the buildings that could be impacted by this disaster would be Trump Tower. Um, just that was uh, Egan made that clear in the article. And then there's a very compelling picture of Trump Tower with that stupid sign. Chicago, you reversed the when flow of the of Chicago that? River. Can't you take that sign off of Trump Tower? Good God. Well, Ben, we can't. It's I'm with you. Funny. I'm with you there. I am with you there. And and you know that uh, uh, several years ago, uh, Trump Tower got fined because of the water they were putting back into the river, yes. which was not treated, and it was harming the the, the wildlife in the river. So uh, this is their legacy uh, in Chicago. I thought these words would never come out of my mouth, but we need Mayor Daley back in office. All I did was complain about him when he was in office. Mayor Daley, when he wanted the airport Megs Field off of the lake in the middle of the night, he just plowed it over, and that's it. And he's gone. Everybody was yelling at him. He goes, I'm the mayor. I can do what I want. We need Mayor Daley to send in a squadron overnight. Take that Trump <laughs> sign down. Let tr See you in court, Donnie. You know? Uh, Donnie's got enough <laughs> legal problems. Just good luck finding a lawyer to represent you. All right, enough on that. I'm going to channel my inner Donald Trump. So what's the matter? Climate change seems like this is the inner Donald Trump. Climate change is doing a good thing because it gets so hot. What do you mean? Evaporation rate increases. The water falls. So it's no more problem with erosion. Mike Novak, why are you, why are you complaining? It's thanks to climate change. Sometimes what? the water goes up. Sometimes it's my inner Donald Trump. I, <laughs> that's the argument. Oh, okay. You know, What's your reaction to my inner Donald Trump? Yeah, well, boy, take your inner Donald Trump and, uh, you know, get out of town is what I would say. Um, it's 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 going up in places where it shouldn't be going up and going, uh, getting wetter in places where it can't handle it, like sh Chicago. And maybe do you think we could get some of that rain in in the, in the Pacific Northwest and in, in the western part of the country? Uh, you know what it makes me think of, though? And I don't know if this has occurred to you. When do we start hearing the cries for uh, the Great Lakes to be tapped to uh, go out to uh, the West and building great uh, pipelines, uh, water pipelines. I haven't heard any of that uh, recently, but um, you know there's got to be some people thinking of that. Uh, and that you want to you want to talk about legal battles that will be really really interesting. I mean, they already have wars over water in the West, and I think Colorado still has a law, if I'm not mistaken, that you can't use a rain barrel and collect water because it's a public resource or something. And 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 they might have they might have gotten rid of that law, but it it was on the books for a while. Um, and and now these different states are going to have to come to uh, agreements about which state gets how much water and what are you going to use it for? Uh, we've got farmers in in California, almonds, which require a lot of water to produce. A lot of those guys are just bulldozing those almond trees 
and saying, we, 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 we don't have the water to do this. Uh, farmers in the north part of California uh, in the rice paddies are selling their water and not growing rice so that the farmers in the south part of the state can get. And the reason they're doing it is on the books, it's about the same uh, financially for them to either to to sell water or grow rice. It's about the same financially, but there's a lot less work to selling water. So they look at it and they go, well, that's actually a win for us. Um, in the Pacific Northwest, you know, I had a, a home there, a vacation home um, in Washington State on uh, in, in the Olympic Peninsula, on the Olympic Peninsula. Uh, for about 17 years. So I know a lot about the Pacific Northwest and the kind of climate. And when we went there, what we used to tell people was the great thing about the Pacific Northwest, it rarely gets below 30, rarely gets above 80. It's um, it, temperate, just beautiful, rains like a son of a gun. Uh, we got a, in our area, some years we would get 175 inches of rain. Uh, when you figure Chicago gets about 40 now, and that's the new... 40 because we used to get about 35 in the last decade or so we're up around 40 inches of rain but 175 inches of rain well it's a temperate rainforest well those days have changed haven't they it was um 110 degrees where very near where we had our home there uh just the other week uh look what happened in canada holy smoke uh, 121 and then and then the town goes up in flames two days later uh, um, this is the new normal and there's another heat wave on the way there looks like, we'll have, I think you read the same story that I did. It's going to come this week. Uh, it's going to hit California. Will it migrate North? Like the last one did? I don't know. I have to ask my meteorologist, Rick DeMaio. Um, I don't know how those people survive because this fire season is going to be catastrophic. Like many of the, the fire seasons have been in the past. And the other thing that was amazing, uh, cause I, I, I put something <laughs> made the mistake a few weeks ago of putting something on Facebook uh, of one of these stories about climate change. I don't know what it was. And I said, basically, so if you don't believe in climate change, you're kind of an idiot. Um, and some guy took it personally and started going after me. It's just weather. He says, oh, it's just weather. And he's been going on and on. And now he's, he's become a troll. And I'm like, Oh, do I have to block him? Do I really have to do that? Or do I just let him spout his nonsense and let people see that there are people out there who are not paying attention because the numbers are there. That New York Times story we read today, you and I both read, said, this is these are facts. This is un uncontrovertible at this point. This is here. Climate, we have caused, this is human-created climate change because there's too much freaking carbon dioxide in our atmosphere. It's changing the planet. The loss of habitat is changing the planet. It's all in concert, and it's real. So we have one choice, that we're going to fix it or we're not going to fix it. And, and you know what? If you ask me, I don't think we're going to fix it. I don't think we have, certainly in America, we don't have the political will because we're divided into opposing camps and that's where it's going to be, regardless of what Joe Biden's trying to do with this this silly idea that there can be comedy and there can be uh, uh, what's the word they're they're looking at uh, compromise and bipartisan all that stuff that part yeah you know bipartisanship is are we are, we're not going to get enough done that's that is the point uh, and if America can't get it done the rest of the world can't make up for it. Wow, that was a, a very painful but important riff that you went on. 
And uh, I, while you were saying it, I was thinking the, the really painful irony in this, you're talking about the impact, and you've been on this show several times, Mike, talking about the impact on farmers of climate change. Um, yeah. And like an almond growers in Washington, uh, California understand climate change. Uh, soybean farmers here in Illinois and Missouri, et cetera, they know, understand climate change, the impact of climate change. And yet the greatest resistance to the policies that might give us a break from the destruction uh, are coming from Republicans and Republicans have a hold on rural America. It's the people who probably know firsthand the impact of climate change are the people who are voting for the politicians that will block any attempt, any move movement uh, to uh, protect us from it. They'll write it off as just what uh, lefty, jihadist i just saw this the uh marjorie taylor green throw that word out jihad she's calling her opposition the jihad <laughs> it's uh it's re revolting and scary and but it's just kind of sad on one level you're the right folks who know you're right the but the best are the ones but who the, are fighting not, the hardest go ahead but they're not that's the prob part of the problem i guess is uh that that's not the issue that they want their politicians and their representatives to address they they want abortion that's that's key to the uh to to what the, wh how they're voting and somehow environment and the fact that they, they're they're losing their crops and losing their farms is is still down on the list it's how do we own the libs and that's not helpful uh, especially when things are changing so rapidly so i don't know how we get out of this mess frankly. And I, I, I just don't because we have, as I said, just hunkered down into these camps and now we're just lobbing grenades back and forth. Um, and, um, I mean, w there's one party in this country doesn't even want people to vote because, uh, they know that if people vote, they will never, ever, ever, ever hold office again, uh, or at least national office. They would never, ever win the presidency again if we had not the, the electoral college, but the national vote. Um, you know, and, and I have to say this because I don't see this anywhere. Um, it, it, when people talk about the 2020 election and the, the idea that there was fraud, and I know this isn't environment, uh, but when people say, oh, no, there was fraud, all I want to respond to those people is, wait, you lost by 7 million votes. And that's because you, you say that, you know, you're afraid of what the, the libs are going to do and how they're going to turn this country into socialistic, uh, communistic, whatever. And you're scared that you won't get your America back. Those 7 million people plus the 80 million people who voted for Joe Biden felt exactly the same way about what you were doing, except with a white hot heat and anger that you can't even imagine. We were so terrified of having Donald Trump back that people crawled over glass to get to the polls in 2020. That's when you say fraud, you don't understand that. You're not looking at those people and what they were feeling and what they were thinking. And that's why you lost by 7 million votes nationwide. 
And the fact that it was even as close as it was because of the Electoral College is a crime. It's yeah. a sin. We This is not the way a democracy should work. So I'm done with that. No, so that far. Sorry riff. about that. Uh, by the way, we will close by uh, turning the attention away from MAGA voters and from <laughs> uh, people who uh, live uh, in farm areas and talk about Chicago. And folks, if you want to see Mike Novak uh, going to church. Let's talk about how the city of Chicago has treated the environment. Let's talk about oh, Mayor Rahm and how Mayor Rahm just kind of had this just contemptuous attitude toward the whole issue and just the environmentalists. Ooh, bunch of losers, bunch of lefty losers, man. <laughs> he got rid of the environment. And now here we have the lakes rising. Mayor Rahm is nowhere to be found. We're still we're like all in our little dinghies and rowboats trying to figure this stuff out. You know, you talked about this, Mike, long before it's fashionable. The city got rid of its Department of Environment. You know, the city retreated uh, on the any kind of effort uh, to just have some kind of sensible environmental policy dictating everything from development to zoning to water. Etc. and so forth. So Chicago yeah. is not uh, so innocent in this uh, either, is it, Mike? Oh no! Oh heavens, no! Yeah, I, I like I said, I had to, uh, on a show very recently. It was really cool conversation between Suzanne Malik McKenna, um, who was the final uh, commissioner of the Department of the Environment, and Sandra Henry, who was Rom's final chief sustainability officer. Okay. And, um, her story is interesting. You'll appreciate this. Um, she got hired by Rom, uh, to be chief sustainability officer, moved from Bolingbrook into the city so she could be here as a, a resident. And then three months later, he announced he wasn't running for mayor again. And, uh, this was after she upended her life to do this. And she talked about it on, on the show as well. So, um, another reason to just sort of look at Rom and raise your eyebrows. Um, and one of the things I found out is that after Rom dismantled the Department of the Environment uh, and and instead brought in uh, a chief sustainability officer, which is one person now doing everything that the department used to do, uh, even the older critters uh, just started uh, making fun of the sustainability department. Uh, it used to be the the. Uh, Department of the Environment, they started calling it the cubicle of the environment. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when even alder critters can make fun of you, you know you've sunk to a new low. Oh my and God. so that that's just one thing. And so now we're dealing, we're still dealing with recycling, which uh, is has an abysmal rate. Um, we're still dealing with, uh, uh, environmental injustice on the Southeast side, the iron, and did you see this general iron suing the city once again, uh, now in state court, which they decided to do that, that came out yesterday. They tried to sue the city in federal court and the federal court bounced it out and said, nah, yeah, that's not going to work here. But they said, yeah, go ahead. If you want to try state court. Uh, so it's hard to say what will happen, uh, with that, but. Um, there's, then there's also, you know, the, the battle of, uh, the army Corps of engineers 
on the southeast side at the the confined disposal facility or CDF at the mouth of the Calumet River. That that permit for them to dredge and dump uh, expired May 31st, so they haven't been doing anything. And and I'm thinking, wow, if if the Army Corps can't be counted on to keep track of its calendar, uh, why should they be dumping toxic materials uh, on a a, 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 a bit of land that's actually owned by the Chicago Park District. Why is that not being capped and turned back over to the city of Chicago as they said it would be in 1994? Why are they still dumping and why do they want to make it even larger when they can't even get their calendar straight and, and uh, a permit? So uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens there. So there's still a lot of environmental injustice in the city of Chicago. So yeah, we're there's not a whole lot to be proud of when it comes to the environment. Even our tree, our tree count is down. Our canopy is down. We don't plant trees the way we used to. Uh, there are still efforts to try to get that done, but um, we haven't had a chief executive in this city since Daly, who even gave it a second thought. Even Daly had lots of blind spots about it. I mean, he was the he was the one who started Blue Bag. Blue Bag. Yeah, I was um, just about to say, you know, before we get to waxing yeah. on about Daly, uh, he did love trees. Yeah. Oh, my God, the man loved a tree. Uh, <laughs> but that's a good thing. You know, that's, that's okay. Good. I can and I can I can uh, uh, allow him to have that because he, there were other things, as you say, he did not get right. He loved the trees, and he got rid of Meg's Field on the lake, so I'll give him credit for that. All right, Mike. Yeah, but he, left, but, he, but, he, but he left us with a parking lot deal. Yes, and I'm telling did. you, what, yeah, yeah. what Richie Daly is going to be remembered for three things in this order, probably. Millennium Park, the parking lot deal, and third-place trees. That's what I'm thinking. That's his legacy. Um I'm writing those down, and I'm. You know what? This could be a column. <laughs> I have to think about that. And the last thing is trees, uh, Daly's legacy. I am going to think about that. Uh, what is the legacy of Rom? I have to think about that too. Um, oh my goodness, uh, Laquamic. I, I, I swearing at people. No, but in terms of his reign, he will always be remembered for uh, concealing evidence of a murder with the Laquan McDonald shooting. That will, will be what he'd be remembered yeah. for, and that will keep him from uh, rising in national politics. All right, Mike Novak. Oh, all right, uh, now I have a question for you. I have a qu- Before I go, I have a question for you because uh, I have my own issues with uh, current administration in regard to environmental matters. Um, yes or no? Lori Lightfoot, one-term mayor? Um, I believe she will, uh, yes, uh, I, now I understood it took a while. I was like that smartest kid in school. All right. I was like, wait a minute. This is me. I'm there. This is exhibit a of me with a standardized test. It's like, it's basic, Ben. You go, it's either a, B, C or D. And I'm like, huh, wait a minute. And they go, what you speed matters in this test. Hold on. Not so fast. Uh, I believe she will win reelection. I believe that um, all the negatives uh, about her, the way she treats people and her temperament uh, are what people in the city of Chicago like. Uh, I have, I got a lot of conflicted attitudes about the people that I've settled among. Uh, Mike Novak, that probably, I should probably be in therapy discussing it as opposed to just talking about it with you. Uh, But um, I believe that (laughs) when, when she's mean and nasty to people, Chicagoans go, yeah, that's what we need from a mayor. <laughs> I'm a Chicagoan. I don't like the Cubs. 
I don't like the socks, and I don't put ketchup on my hot dog. Sorry, Mike. Uh, so I believe uh, she will be <laughs> Chicagoans. You know, I love you, Chicago. I've lived here for since 1981. I could have lived that. I could have lived in St. Louis. I could have had your sewage, but instead, I came with you. Uh, anyway, so I, I believe she'll be reelected. That's my prediction. And uh, do you have a prediction, okay. young man? <sighs> it's it's hard to say. I think you're right when you say that people like a tough mayor. What I am having a really hard time uh, figuring out about her is what she stands for. I I really don't know what she stands for. Do you think people That's, in Chicago care about that? Oh my God! I guess they don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they, Chicagoans are very simple people. They like like you said, daily trees on the north side. They're still Ben. When he had the Asian longhorn beetle, he replaced it with trees. Ben, that's a mayor. Replaced it with trees. That's my Chicago <laughs> neighbors. Thank you. I, can I just go continue my walk now? I really had enough of you. All right. Mike Novak is the man. He's the myth. He's the legend. The Mike Novak Show. And uh, great job today, Mike. Thank you very much for coming on. Uh, my pleasure. And uh, can I stick in a plug again for the uh, program? All right. Uh, Sunday mornings live, live streaming nine to 11. Great place to see it is MikeNovak.net. And again, there's video too, not just uh, audio with Ben and we got to get you to upgrade dude. Uh, and, uh, you can also go to, uh, use tube. Uh, that's the <laughs> Chicago spelling Y O U S E T U B E use tube. And, uh, yeah, subscribe to the show. Uh, we'd love to have you uh, watch. And I don't rant like this on my show, not as much. But see, there's something about being with Ben. It just sort of sets me free. <laughs> and uh, no, he's he's so uh, learned. It's more like uh, WBZ. That's a learned discussion here. But the, yeah, I, I can tell you something. Neither of us of will ever. <laughs> Neither of us will ever be on WBZ. That's for sure. That is all right, Ben. Thanks, man. I appreciate the opportunity. All right, that's the great Mike Novak. I'm Ben Jarofsky. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.